So something for the younger ones here. Um, do you like surprises? Sometimes surprises can be fun. Um, let's see, if, uh, if I were to tell you, uh, because we have no children here in the sanctuary, what if I were to tell you that I had a surprise for you today? I have candy and cookies and presents. Yay. Surprise. That would have been a nice surprise. Or how about this? Maybe the surprise is that um, I'm in my bare feet. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not showing my feet on the screen. So what if people saw me with bare feet in the church? Would that be a surprise? Yeah. So we can be surprised by a lot of things, sometimes important things, sometimes silly things. So surprises can be fun. In fact, it's kind of fun, I think, to surprise somebody else. You want to give them a gift or a card or a note or do something nice for them. That's always a nice surprise. The gospel reading for today was quite a surprise. My goodness, there were about 5,000 people and they were hungry. And Jesus took five loaves of bread and a couple of fish and was able to feed 5,000 people. That was amazing, I think. So this is the question, though, that we should not be asking. The question we should not be asking is, how did Jesus do that? Because we don't know the answer. Jesus just did it. Maybe the right question is this. Maybe the question is, why did Jesus do that? I like that question better. And can you think of some reasons why Jesus would take a few pieces of bread and a few pieces of fish and feed 5,000 people? Well, Maybe you're thinking this, because I can read your mind, right? You're thinking because the people were hungry. And so, of course, Jesus wanted to feed them because they were hungry. Right. He wanted them to have something to eat. Maybe, though, he wanted to set an example for people. Maybe he wanted people to see Jesus sharing what this boy had with so many people. And so maybe it was a lesson that we should learn that we should share what we have. Maybe the lesson is that what we have is so big and wonderful that we can help a lot more people than we think we can. Because sometimes we don't think about helping other people like Jesus was helping all these hungry people. And maybe, this is probably the biggest maybe of the sermon for the kids, but maybe Jesus is inviting us to think about 
what it is that we're going to do when we grow up. And maybe Jesus is putting some ideas in our head about being involved in a profession that feeds people or gives them what they need. So maybe you'll grow up to be a chef or a waiter, or maybe you'll grow up being a farmer, somebody that grows the food. Maybe you'll wind up being a teacher so you can teach people the importance of good nutrition. And maybe you'll wind up being a medical worker in some way so that uh, you can help people understand how important food is in relationship to your health. So we have a lot of things to think about today from this gospel lesson. The question we should not be asking is, what, how did Jesus do this? Because we don't know. It was a miracle. But the question we might be asking is, why did Jesus do this? And there are a lot of reasons. So, and it gives us a lot to think about today. And this is our prayer. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for giving us so much. And we ask that you would help us to share what we have with those that have need and to think about all the ways that we can help others in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And for the older ones among us, it's an interesting image, isn't it, that we have of this huge crowd, and they were hungry, hungry for food, because really, if you read more of the stories around this one, it was a long day for Jesus and his disciples and the crowd. They had to walk quite a ways to follow Jesus, but they were willing to do that because the idea of sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning from him and just being in his presence was so much more important than putting food in their stomach. I also think they were hungry for other things too. They were hungry for leadership. You know, they were waiting for the Messiah, and as long as the prophets were telling the story of the Messiah and the Messiah coming, they had huge hopes that the Messiah would come in their lifetime. And that hope was passed on from generation to generation. And maybe they saw in Jesus either a Messiah, or another great prophet, maybe like Moses. And so when Jesus fed them, all 5,000 of them from just a few loaves and a few pieces of fish, maybe they thought we have found this ruler, this Messiah, this king that we've been waiting for. Someone that would take care of them that would provide for all of their wants and their needs. They thought 
they had find that they had finally found the long promised one who would make everything right again. No more hunger, no more sickness, no more oppression. Perhaps the story from our first lesson of Elisha who fed 100 men from a few barley loaves was in their minds and on their lips as they ate this meal that Jesus hosted for them. But Jesus was not Moses. Jesus was not Elijah, Elisha. Scripture says that in their excitement about what was happening, they wanted to come and take Jesus by force and make him their king. The experience of sharing that bountiful meal was quickly put behind them as they rushed to take care of their own needs, their own desires, their own agendas. The crowd did not see that they were hungry for more than food and political leadership. The crowd did not see that they had already been fed and filled by more than just bread and fish. The group that gathers in my favorite movie, I don't, I've talked about it a few times, I don't know if you remember what it is or if you've seen it before. It's the Danish film Babette's Feast. And this group of people in this tiny little town in Denmark is also hungry. They're aged disciples of a sectarian religious leader who had died. And then to honor this leader and this group of people that had followed him, this leader's two daughters who were unmarried and lived together in this town decided that they would follow in their father's footsteps and they tried to keep this small community of faith together. Uh, one day, uh, because they needed a little help, they met Babette, who came from France. She was probably fleeing the French Revolution, and she became their uh, housekeeper and cook. Well, it's quite a contrast to begin with, right? Babette from France versus all these dark and cold and quiet Danes from the North lands, the North winds. And one day, Babette wins the lottery and she decides that she is going to celebrate by providing a wonderful French feast for all of these people in this dark little town. The frugal Scandinavians are completely at a loss at this 10 course French extravaganza. They don't know which fork to use. They don't know which glass to use. They don't even know what half of that food really is. But in spite of their stated intentions not to let the meal affect them, because of course they were very stern, a miracle begins to unfold. And some of the old grudges and grievances 
that were eating at the people in this community of faith for a long time began to be put to rest. People began to laugh. Relationships between husbands and wives and brothers and sisters and friends and friends are restored and renewed. And in the course of this meal, joy is rediscovered in a place that was once a place of bitterness. Decisions of the past, for better or for worse, are accepted with a sense of peace. And one man in the movie states over and over again, all is mercy, all is mercy. And as the group disperses, as they return to their homes, the phrase, in Danish is repeated by almost everyone. Talk, talk, thank you, thank you. Join together under the stars in the square in the middle of town. These people form a circle and they hold hands and they uplift a song of praise to God. Hungry in ways that they never even imagined. Now they had experienced a feast. So in some ways, even though we gather in this place in church and oh, we look like we're fairly well-fed people together, um, we're still hungry, aren't we? We remember and we pray for and we act to alleviate the physical hunger of others. But maybe we have hungers that go beyond food, like those people who gathered at the Sea of Galilee and like those people who gathered in this remote Danish village. We hunger for a lot of things and it's okay to have these hungers. We hunger for forgiveness. We hunger for reconciliation. We hunger to restore broken relationships. We hunger maybe for joy in places of bitterness and cynicism in our lives. We hunger for peace over some of the choices that we've made that maybe we regret. Maybe we hunger for that sense that all is mercy. Maybe we long to gather the hands of our friends and loved ones and just dance in the street. We hunger for unity. We want to be that one body gathered around Jesus Christ and do things together in Jesus' name. We want to be of one spirit. The writer of Ephesians claims that we are, and we like that image. We want to be one in spirit. And so in many ways, even as we gather together today, we hunger for God. For what is hunger but an emptiness, a yearning that longs to be filled? What is hunger but a reminder of our dependency on the gifts of a creator 
and the community that our creator brings together. And like those gathered by the Sea of Galilee, like those gathered in this remote Danish village, we too are fed. We share a little bit in the feast that we call Holy Communion, the Eucharist, from so little, a little sip of wine or grape juice, a little piece of bread, even gluten-free, no barley bread here in this place, right? Um, we fill up with God. And we know that God provides not only this, but so much more. With this meal, we receive forgiveness of sins, life and salvation, says Martin Luther in the small catechism. Often, like the people at the Sea of Galilee, we get caught up in our own desires and our own agendas. We may rush from this place and this meal to take care of our own business today, what we're planning on eating this afternoon, the plans for the rest of the day. Maybe we're making our lists already for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Who's gonna run what errands and when? We don't stop often enough, perhaps, to acknowledge our own hunger. We go on with business as usual. We forget that we've been fed with so much more than we can ever even imagine, and certainly so much more than we need. If we think about it, a miracle takes place here each and every Sunday. And we become bread sharers and bread bearers to the world, literally companions by our host, Jesus Christ, who feeds us so richly here in this place. So as we leave this gathering, may the phrase repeated on all of our lips be something like, talk, or thank you, God, for all that you have given us to share with the world. For like the Israelites in ancient days, we beheld God. We ate, we drank, we were blessed. Amen.